Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Shop, click, drive at robertsrobinson.com. The Chiefs have certainly had a remarkable run of great things happen to them the last five years or so, but I'm always amazed when great things happen to the Chiefs when they never do anything for themselves. That good things just happen as they did this bye week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only are they living the life of rock stars, literally, Travis Kelsey flying to Argentina to be with Taylor Swift, making world global social media news as she rushes off stage and into his arms. He's watching the concert with her dad. She changed the word to her songs to talk about the Chiefs player. And it's just, the Chiefs are something else. The Chiefs are absolutely something else. They take a bye week and make more news than almost any other sports team in Kansas City history ever made in season. I mean, this is remarkable what's going on. So you've got Patrick Mahomes in Lawrence on Saturday as his Texas Tech Red Raiders in stunning fashion are beating the Kansas Jayhawks. It's just good things happen to Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid and anybody around them. But nothing really like this bye week Sunday, which I guess potentially could get better on Monday night should the Denver Broncos play well and find a way to beat the Buffalo Bills. We don't expect that to happen as this game is in Buffalo on Monday night. But my goodness, the Chiefs are kicking up their feet, ending their bye week, heading back to Kansas City if they don't live here on Sunday, getting ready to go to work today on Monday at Arrowhead Stadium for a game one week from Monday against the Eagles on Monday Night Football, watching the Jaguars just get pummeled in their own building. Not really a team we think about a lot because the Chiefs have already beaten Jacksonville, the tiebreakers there. So that really wasn't the big one. But watching Cleveland in stunning fashion after looking like most of the day they were going to get blown out at some point by the Ravens, come back and beat the Ravens at the buzzer. Houston, with C.J. Stroud and their young quarterback, more on him in just a couple of moments, uh, coming back and beating Cincinnati, the Bengals, in dramatic fashion at the buzzer. And all of a sudden, the Chiefs just pull away from everybody in the AFC in the playoff race. Here's the stunning part of what happened on Sunday. While the Chiefs were not playing, the Chiefs became the outright number one seed, no tiebreakers needed. Baltimore is a half game back with a third loss. Lamar Jackson was just being Lamar, folks. He threw two more interceptions. He completed 13 pass. Well, he actually completed 15. He completed 13 to his team and two to the opponent. Lamar being Lamar. I mean, we, we see what he, he's just done this in his career. We know what Lamar Jackson is, and it, they're just no threat to win the Super Bowl. They're just not. And I, I was starting to buy into them because they were winning so lopsided and wins were so easy. They remind me a little bit of the Dallas Cowboys. When they overwhelm and overmatch a team, the Ravens look better than anybody, and they just bomb you right off the field. You get them in a close game where Lamar Jackson has to cross every T and dot every I and take care of everything in the game, where at times he has to be a game manager, he can't do it. He can't manage the game. He'll turn it over and lose his game, and that's what happened with the Ravens. The Jaguars fall to 6-3. and three. They just get destroyed by the 49ers. Miami had a bye week. They're at 6-3. and three. So we're talking about teams here that the Chiefs have tiebreakers over. In Jacksonville and Miami, the Chiefs have a one-game lead and the tiebreaker, which is a two-game lead. So they're in great shape there. They've got the lead over Baltimore, as Baltimore got a third loss. Pittsburgh finds a way to win. They get to 6-3. and three. They're the least harmless and scary playoff caliber team I've ever seen. The Browns go to 6-3. and three. They've got some talent on the team, but they're still not very good at quarterback. Deshaun Watson was okay in this game, but I don't think anybody looks at that and thinks, okay, this is going to be one of those epic 
type games we've seen the Chiefs play against the Bills or the Bengals in the playoffs. And then there's the Texans are in as of today. The Texans at five and four are in. C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback out of Ohio State, the number two pick overall in the draft. The last two weeks, the last two weeks, last second victories, drove his team all the way downfield and won games with no time on the clock to give them a winning record. And in those two games, C.J. Stroud has passed for 800 yards and seven touchdowns. C.J. Stroud now leads the National Football League in passing yards. The Houston Texans, they're never on TV. You never see them. They're not on national broadcasts. This kid is amazing to watch. He's just as calm and cool as can be with the game on the line. He's already broken Texans records right and left. He's only halfway through his rookie season. He's just smashing records. He's doing what Patrick Mahomes did when he took over with the Chiefs. He's completely changing the team. They have a rookie head coach. They've got a rookie quarterback. And right now today, they're in the postseason. The Texans are a wild card team. Here's who's not in the postseason today. The Bengals are not in at five and four. The Bills are not in at five and four. But if the Bills win tonight, they would pass the Texans and be in. But they're not in right now. The Colts are five and five. Nobody's scared. The Raiders are five and five. Nobody's scared. The Chargers are four and five. And they look like they, I mean, they still offensively look so good at times that you just wonder how they lose. But they couldn't stop the Lions at all on Sunday. Like they never stopped the Lions. They just, the Lions just went up and down the field. In, it was a great game, but you just kept watching and watching and watching, thinking, well, there's no way the Chargers can win because the Chargers were scoring and having a good day offensively, but it was just harder for them. You'd watch their drives. They'd get to a third down and throw an incomplete pass or something, but there'd be a penalty to keep the drive alive. They were getting some breaks on some of their drives, certainly, but not the Lions. They just lined up and whoosh, 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 down the field they went. The Chargers are four and five, and as of right now, they're out of it. The Chiefs just couldn't have had a better bye week. In fact, this might be the best bye week anybody's ever had in NFL history. I mean, I guess there are bye weeks where you sit out and you make the playoffs or you, or you go from out of the playoffs to in, but that doesn't seem as relevant with, with eight or nine games to go as a team like the Chiefs separating from the rest of the pack because the Chiefs now control their own destiny, which they did not do from the start of this season. Chiefs lost their opening game to the Lions, and at that moment, they did not control their destiny. Since then, they've gone 7-1. and one. They had a bad day in Denver, but they've beaten some good teams. They've beaten some playoff teams. They've beaten the Jaguars. They've beaten the Dolphins. They've, done a, they've beaten the Vikings, who are, are sitting right there now and, and in the playoffs as a wild card. They've beaten some good teams, and they're going to beat more good teams. It's pretty clear. Do the Chiefs have warts? Sure. Are they not as explosive offensively as we'd like them to be? Yeah, but we got a bye week here. You get a little rejuvenated. The team clearly can get better as they go. We see these things happening, and you just couldn't have a better bye week. And, and you couldn't watch the rest of the league and go, wow, this is just all shaping up perfectly for the Chiefs to be back at home again in the AFC title game. Are we really – I mean, Baltimore's division's crazy. I mean, they're sitting there with Baltimore and Pittsburgh and Cleveland – and they're seven and three, six and three, and six and three. And I don't think they're great. I think Baltimore's the best of those three, but they lost at home to Cleveland yesterday. That's a crazy division. They're going to beat each other. Nobody there is exceptional, and nobody at this point is pulled away in that division. I don't think it's Pittsburgh, and I don't really like Pittsburgh. They bore me when I watch them play. 
Pickett's okay at quarterback. If I had to vote for a coach of the year in the NFL right now, well, it'd probably be Mike Tomlin. It'd probably be Mike Tomlin. If not, maybe the Texans coach. It's uh, D'Amico Ryans. Is that his name? D'Amico Ryan, the Texans coach. This is phenomenal. It is bunched up, and the best part of it being bunched up in the AFC is they're all going to play each other, and the Chiefs are out of the fray. Now, the Chiefs play a lot of these teams, but the Chiefs' advantage here is they lost to the Broncos, who stink and aren't going to make it, and they lost to the Lions, who are in the NFC. And I don't want to diminish any one single game and say it's not important, but Monday night's game against the Eagles is not as important as the games they will play in the AFC. The Chiefs are going to have games... I mean, they're looking at games at home now against the Bills and the Bengals that literally could be the difference of whether the Bills and the Bengals have a chance to be in the playoffs. It's true. It's honestly a possibility that if the Chiefs win those games against the Bills and the Bengals, that that's the difference in the Bills and Bengals making it into the playoffs or not. And I'm sorry, I want Pittsburgh in. I want Cleveland in. I, I, the team you don't want to play is the Texans. Now, that it looks like it would certainly be at Arrowhead. But this C.J. Stroud is something else now. And what, some of the stuff he's doing at Houston, they're finding their footing. All right, they, what, they won three in a row now. They're finding their footing. They've done the one thing that rookie quarterbacks and new head coaches never do, and that is win close games. We know how hard that is to do. The Chiefs are really good at it. The Chiefs have done it under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes now for years. They get in these dog fights and they find a way to win close games. And sometimes it's third and 17 and Mahomes scrambles and makes a play and you just scratch your head and you go, wow, how did they win that game? And that's what the Texans are doing. Now, are the Texans good enough to go out and win a bunch of games 31-17? I don't know. We, we'll have to see. I don't, I don't think the balance of their roster is exactly where it needs to be. But right now, they're the, they're the team that doesn't care who they play or where. They're just like, let's go play. We got C.J. Stroud. Let's go. You want to stay tuned for the end of the podcast because our final final is going to be related to that Texans game. And a gambler in Florida, this is unbelievable, a gambler in Florida that crushed the Hard Rock Casino in Fort Lauderdale betting on the Texans. A whopper. You will not believe the dollar amount that he bet, and you will not believe the dollar amount he won, and you won't believe how he did it, and it was all this game. He had four bets in one game and hit them all at the buzzer. This is a remarkable final final. You're going to love that one today. Chiefs are getting ready for the Eagles on Monday night. Travis Kelsey, we presume, is back in town. We love that. There is a new poll out. One of these scientific polls, they polled Americans, football fans only. You had to describe yourself as a, a devout NFL football fan. And they polled nationwide. And 90% of fans nationwide polled over the last week do not want to see Taylor Swift again during an NFL game. They're uninterested in seeing her or hearing about her. And that's not just nationally. In Kansas, 86% of fans say they don't want to see her. In Missouri, 84% of fans say they don't want to see her. And the gender gap, there is no gap. Only one point higher for males than females in this. So I'm continuing a theme as we continue to lose elections as the GOP with what the Swifties are doing in America. Now they're invading football. And yes, they're watching, but if a pollster called them and said, are you a devout NFL fan? They'd say, no, I'm not. I'll tune in if I think Taylor Swift is at a Chiefs game and see if I can see some shots of my hero. All right. This has been going on since Elvis 
in the Beatles and every band and music star since. Young girls and music, they go wild. They went wild for Elvis. They went wild for the Beatles. Now it's girl power. Now the young girls are going crazy for a girl. And they love Taylor Swift. I texted, uh, sent to my kids, all three of them, this, the video that we've all seen now of Taylor and Travis in Argentina. And then I sent something else to my daughter who likes Taylor Swift, but she doesn't consider herself a Swifty. And she's a grown woman. She's 27. And she goes, our queen being the queen. <laughs> That's legitimately right. They see her as their queen and love it. Now, Abby, I think she's more of a football fan than Taylor Swift fan. I think if I asked her, do you want to go see Georgia and Alabama play in the SEC title game? She went to Georgia. Or do you want to go to Taylor Swift show? I think she'd want to go to Atlanta and see the game. I, I could be wrong. I'm going to ask her. That'll be the, that will be the Thanksgiving dinner conversation with Abby. I'm, I can't wait to ask her on that. But I'm with him. I, yeah, I watch a football game for a football game. But it really doesn't bother me. If you ask me, do I want to see her? I'd say no. But when they do it, it's obviously good for ratings. It's helping. Swifties are tuning in to see if she's there. And maybe it's the thing where they just tune in at the beginning and then you know she's not there. Or it's not on social media that she's there and they're not going to watch. I, I don't really know. But uh, most people that consider themselves football fans do not want to see it anymore. And that includes Chiefs fans in Kansas and Missouri. Big weekend in college football. The Missouri Tigers are amazing. We will get to that in one moment. Brought to you by Cross Kitchens KC. Online at crosskitchenskc.com. Your kitchen remodeler. They also do bathrooms, basements, man caves, any kind of remodeling at your home to not just freshen up your home, but make it a better place to live. People are staying in their homes again. As mortgage rates have climbed as they have, why not have Cross Kitchens put a fresh countertop and backsplash in your kitchen? Maybe some new flooring? Family owned and operated. Call Tim or Brittany Cross at 816-898-7044. Seven for crosskitchenskc.com. Window World is simply the best for less. 0% financing available, American-made windows, siding, and doors with lifetime warranties, and they're the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think I summed it all up. Window World is simply the best for less. They have low price points, quality products that are going to add years to the life of your home. You got drippy windows, broken, cracked windows, uh, condensation, Your heating bill is going to cost you a fortune this winter. They can get windows done still this fall before it gets really cold this winter. Just make one phone call and they'll come right out to your home. No obligation, no pressure, no stress. That's absolutely free. 816-799-0820. Online at windowskansascity.com. John's letting his team do a great job at Window World, whether it's one window or your entire house. They'd love to work with you or Storm Doors outside your deck, things like that, or one on your front door, maybe to keep that cold air out this winter, windowskansascity.com. And Backline Development is your custom builder in Kansas City, Lawrence, Topeka, Manhattan, T.J. Vilkanskis and his team at Backline Development are so creative and so good at executing a game plan. Like he would have been a really good coach, football coach, right? T.J. would have. You know what you want to build and he executes it for you. And they keep you updated every step of the way. Every single nickel that gets spent on a project, you're made aware of on time and ahead of time. 
It's a, a wonderful experience to build with back nine development. And you can't say that about many home builders. There, you go ask people, oh, you built a new house. How'd that go? Most people say, eh, not very good. You know, it's just back nine development is different. They're different. Sometimes smaller and more custom is way different. And that's what TJ is all about. It's all about communication and building you what you want. Back nine development.com 785-236-0161 for back nine development.com. There are not enough superlatives for the Missouri Tigers and what they did to the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday. This was an epic beatdown. I mean, just epic. When Eli Drinkwitz, this is the progression and growth of a coach adapting to his environment, adapting to his division, looking at what's going on elsewhere and saying, okay, how do we grow? How do we build? How do we become what it takes to beat a team the last two years that scored... 62 and 64 against Missouri. They scored over 60 the last two years against the Missouri Tigers. How do we become the team that can slow Tennessee to where our 36 is going to be good enough? And it was plenty good enough. And it is not. If you remember Eli Drinkwitz opening news conference when he was hired at Missouri, it was offense, 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 fast, 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 pace of play, pace of play, pace of play. Missouri came out in the first half of this game against Tennessee, and they, again, Missouri would like to play fast. This was not the game to do it. Missouri came out and held, basically had the ball in the first half for 21 minutes to nine. And it matters because they had a decided advantage in number of plays. They had 42 plays in the first half to 23. Longer drives, running the football, Cody Schrader's one of America's best college football stories. America's best college football stories. This is the kind of guy that you would love to see on a Heisman list. He was a Division II player, a walk-on at Mizzou, says, I can play at this level. He had the day of days. Like, there have been very few days like this. 205 yards rushing and a touchdown, five catches for a buck 16. 321 yards in an SEC game for a running back. I mean, this just doesn't happen. And Eli Drinkwitz is like, this guy can play. This running game eats clock. Tennessee wants to play fast with pace and momentum and all those things, and we're not going to let them. And the Mizzou defense went out there and absolutely crushed it. Their pride was called in this week, okay? You lost a hard-fought game to Georgia. Are you going to rebound? Are you going to pout? What's going to happen here at Mizzou? And those guys on that defensive side of the ball says, we are not taking any more spit from this team. Tennessee. Not anymore. Not going to happen. We ain't doing it. We got this. And boy, did they. And Missouri joins what is, look, Missouri, it, it, if this is next year, Missouri's a playoff team. They just are. They're going to beat Florida. Florida's no good. They're going to beat Florida Saturday. Arkansas's being dismantled as we speak. Missouri's going 10-2, and 6-2, in the SEC, and has a, a very, very real possibility of being the third highest ranked SEC team in two weeks when it's over, behind Georgia and Alabama, and that would get them in the college football playoff. Make no mistake about it, the college football playoff expansion to 12 teams instead of eight is all about getting at least one and maybe two more SEC teams in. The SEC's dream is to have four teams in. They want a third of the playoff. 
They're going to get their championship game teams both in and then the next best in each division. That's really what the SEC wants. And that's what you'd have. Missouri would be a playoff team this year. If this year was next, Missouri would be in at 10 and 2. And that's what they are. Now, they're in a group that's a pretty elite group all to its own. They're in the SEC group. They're in a special group right now. Missouri, LSU, and Ole Miss are in their own group behind Alabama and Georgia who are playing in the title game. That's already decided. There's no drama in the SEC, none whatsoever. But they're in their own group of these are all three teams that right now, the last two weeks of the season, would be playing for playoff berths. It would be on. And I don't think Mizzou, Ole Miss, and LSU would all make it. So it becomes who makes it then? The only possible stain or argument against Missouri is, I mean, obviously they didn't beat Georgia, but no, nobody's beaten Georgia and Alabama. That LSU game makes it really complicated. We'll see how LSU finishes. We, gotta, we, gotta, we have to watch that. But I just, I can't even imagine. Missouri's playing so well right now, you couldn't leave them out. I think they're going to bomb Florida. I think Missouri's already an early 10 or 14-point favorite in this game. I think you're going to bomb Florida and maybe bomb Arkansas by even more. This is really, really remarkable. The Missouri Tigers are playing outstanding football that becomes predictable. When you can run the ball and eat clock and your defense is playing at a higher level, you become a much more predictable football team. It's not predicated on a bounce of the ball. It's not predicated on a magic play. It's we're going to line up and beat you today. And that's what Missouri did. The game was too long for Tennessee. Missouri dominated the clock. And I'm, I'm my God, they just, the defense held Tennessee to seven points. You're kidding me. And Cody Schrader is just an absolute stud. Not the Brady Cook wouldn't. Brady Cook threw for 275. Burden got a touchdown. Missouri's got a lot of things going on here. But this is the best they can be. When they play like they did Saturday, that's the best Mizzou version possible. It, it was just stunning. It was absolutely remarkable. The Kansas Jayhawks lose in very dramatic fashion on Saturday to Texas Tech. KU goes down with 20 seconds, 26 seconds left. They're playing almost all of the game with a backup quarterback, a freshman Cole Ballard. And clearly they didn't trust Cole Ballard to throw the ball. And a lot of people will say maybe they played it too close to the vest, this and that. And I always argue, no, Lance Leipold did this just right. Okay? Down 10-0, your quarterback is out in an impossible situation with a freshman quarterback you don't really trust to throw the ball, they found their way to a 13-13 tie with 26 seconds left. That's great coaching. It may not be that entertaining, but that was great coaching by Lance Leipold to get there. Then, I don't know what the hell happened. 63 yards for Texas Tech in 23 seconds to kick a game-winning field goal? 20 seconds. 63 yards in 20 seconds to kick a game-winning field goal, 16-13. And I don't want to cast too much of a negative light on this, but I, 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 there's still one problem at Kansas. The fan base is a problem. That stadium was empty. I, a portion of this game, I was watching it, but then I went to pick up a buddy, and I was listening on the radio, and I heard Brian Haney, the announcer for Kansas, say, this was just at the, like the start of the second half. The Jayhawk student section has hung in there today on a cold day, and they're back in full force. 
it was 56 degrees in November. First of all, if Kansas fans think that's a cold day for football, you need to recalibrate who and what you are, all right? You have no excuse to not be at this game. And if you go and you leave at halftime and don't come back in, then you need to look in the mirror why this game was lost. If Kansas has a packed stadium with 26 seconds to go and they tie it in overtime and Tech goes out there and has trouble hearing signals, do you think they go down and, and, and go 63 yards in 20 seconds? I don't. Now, Lance Leipold isn't going to say that. And what he said was maybe the best thing he said as Kansas coach. He took the blame for the loss, and that's not right. I think he coached brilliantly here. But he makes a really good point about wanting too much too fast, and you have to do every step the right way. This is the most, and I know Kansas fans don't ever want to hear the name Bill Snyder invoked in this, but as K-State, when they were really, and they were, they were as bad, KU was every bit as bad when Lance Leipold got there as K-State ever was. They were as far behind as everyone, facilities, everything. It's identical. And Bill Snyder kept telling people, one step at a time, one step at a time. You don't just flip the switch overnight. And Lance Leipold articulated that beautifully after the game on Saturday. When success happens, we, we tend to really, and I think it's, it's understandable, but this place has been starving for it for so long. I don't know if we're quite getting all the steps in, in line yet. We want to go all the way over to here and start talking about things that aren't even possible yet and a lot of things. And we've got to make sure that we're A, B, C, D all the way through. We want to go A to D right away sometimes here. We've got to make sure we get there, and that's my responsibility, and today I failed. Uh, he did not fail. Today I failed, that's, that, that's not right. Now that is taking the blame so your kids don't. I get it. Or your quarterback being out or whatever. I, I just, I have so much respect for what that man just said right there and where they are. I think nobody's talking really, nobody knows about Jason Bean. The reason you listen to this podcast, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think Jason Bean's playing this week. All right. He, he tweaked a knee last week, but that isn't what this was. They described this as a head injury. So I get the protocol. If he got woozy, he came out of the game and they weren't going to let him go back in, but it is pretty typical to play the following week. And I think Jason Bean, unless he had some sort of severe concussion or is like, like if he woke up on Sunday and was still dizzy or was throwing up or had, you know, some of the concussion symptoms can be undeniable and then they would rule you out. Like if he was barfing yesterday or still dizzy or had a terrible headache, which by the way, you would never tell your training staff you have a terrible headache. If you're dizzy, they can see it. If you're barfing, they can see it. But most players would never say, I have a terrible headache. But if he did and was worried as a player that's worried about his own health and, and let them know, then he wouldn't play this week. But I'm going to, I'm just going to say that I believe at this point that the, unless something dramatic happened on Sunday, the day after the game, that Jason Bean's going to be a go. That he sat that game out and he's going to be ready to go. Now, what that means, I don't know. How ready you are. What We don't know much about concussion hangovers. I don't think Kansas has a path to victory in this game without Jason Bean against K-State this week. I don't. And they're no longer in contention for a Big 12 championship game berth. That's pretty much gone. They have Kansas State at home on Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Then they go to Cincinnati, which is the worst team in the Big 12 by far. So Kansas is looking at a, even with the loss against Tech, if they pull off the upset against K-State, they're looking at 9-3, and three, 
six and three, which would be absolutely remarkable for the Jayhawks. K-State has been a terrible road team. I say terrible. They've, they've been in the games. They haven't won them. We talked about the Ravens not winning close games. K-State can't win a close game. Now, those have been on the road, but they've lost them all. 61-yard field goal to Missouri, overtime to Texas. They had four plays from the seven-yard line to score and win the game, and they couldn't get it in. We've seen how close they are. I mean, they're really, really close. But close doesn't count on the road. And if they play Kansas close on Saturday, we have every re- and Jason Bean's playing, we have every reason to believe that Kansas would win a close game. That K-State better go build a double-digit lead against them if they want to win that game. K-State just destroyed Baylor. 59-25. They did it in every phase. Those programs aren't close. Kansas State is 6-0 at home. They've outscored their opponents 272-72. I mean, they're just a, it's beat down city when you come to Manhattan. Truly. Will Howard set the K-State passing touchdown record for a quarterback with 45 in his career on Saturday, passing the record of 44. Congratulations, Will Howard. And they've got a conundrum in Manhattan because they got two quarterbacks. And Will Howard is a senior, but he's got that extra year if he wants it. Will he try to make an NFL roster? Will he transfer for a season somewhere else? Is Avery Johnson going to stay at K-State if Will Howard's there and they're going to split time next year? Very interesting situation at K-State with their quarterbacks. So... Look, Kansas State can still make the title game, but it's a long shot. They need Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to lose a game, and they need to win out. They need to beat Kansas and then Iowa State, which they can do. They'll be favored in both games. It doesn't mean they're going to win them, but they're going to be favored in both games. So K-State would need Oklahoma or Oklahoma State to lose. There was a report yesterday, and I can't verify this or figure it out, that K-State could win two, and if Texas loses, they're in. Now, that is some sort of a jumbled four-team or multiple-team tiebreaker scenario, I guess. But I haven't read that anywhere. I just saw somebody posted it and said, this is fact. I can't confirm that. That does not sound right to me. K-State lost to Texas, so there's no head-to-head there. If it's K-State, Texas, and Oklahoma with two losses, that doesn't add up because Oklahoma beat Texas and K-State didn't. I don't, I, I don't and K-State and Oklahoma didn't play each other. So I don't see the path there. It doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the smell test for me. But there are people out there saying that that's true, and I don't believe it. So I do think it's a long shot for Kansas State to win two games. Uh, you're going to need Oklahoma and Oklahoma State to both lose, and that seems like a difficult proposition at this point. Although Oklahoma State, as much as I don't want to see OU and Texas in the title game, I'm not sure I want to see Oklahoma State against Texas. They got bombed by Central Florida on Saturday, and they're a good team but they are not Big 12 title worthy. We can't say they got lucky by beating K-State and KU in Stillwater. They did it. They beat them both. They won. And that matters. Winning matters. But they don't pass the uh, the eye test in a lot of ways. Cooper Beebe for Kansas State is their All-American guard. He's, bo- he's playing both ways now. They're using him as a nose tackle on the defensive side of the ball in short yardage situations or uh, specific run situations. Chris Kleiman after the game said, put him on a Heisman list. There's only a couple players in the country that play both sides of the ball. We know he's the best at what he does on one side of the ball. He ought to at least be mentioned in conversation as a two-way player. I thought, well, what a nice thing to say. Not sure I would think of Cooper Beebe as a Heisman candidate, but I kind of like the story, and I like the way they're using him. K-State and KU 
It is the Sunfeller Showdown. <laughs> Charlie Weiss used to say the Sunfeller Showdown. Saturday night at 6 o'clock. One more note from sports. Well, two. Well, did you see the video of Donald Trump, Tucker Carlson, Kid Rock, and Dana White at the UFC fight Saturday night? That was fun. And that was a power grab. I was like, I texted uh, Mike Robinson over at Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. He sent me a picture of it. He goes, how cool is this? I said, that's his cabinet. Like, if Trump wins, how cool would it be to have Dana White, Tucker Carlson, and Kid Rock on your cabinet? <laughs> I'm like, there's Trump in his cabinet. Let's stop messing around. Let's get some badasses in there. Let's go. The other sports note is from Megan Rapino. She's a soccer player, and she played in her last match. She gets, the, this isn't a weekly award. This isn't a monthly award. This is the dumbest thing any athlete will say this year. This is the worst. Megan Rapino. A few minutes into her last match, went down on the pitch, and off she went, injured, something popped, I don't know what happened. And she's out, and she misses the rest of the game. So she doesn't get to wave to the fans and be cheered by all the leftists and all the America haters and all the kneelers. She doesn't get that. And what does she say after the match? I, Folks, this sounds like I'm going to make this up. This is not made up. Megan Rapino said, Quote, if there is a God, this is proof there isn't, unquote. What a soulless bitch. What a miserable life in existence. To think of oneself as so important that if there was a God, they would have been taking care of you today because you're so special. Man, I've been around some people with egos. I've been around some athletes that think an awful lot of themselves because they can run or throw or catch or shoot or hit or whatever it may be. I don't think I've ever heard anything as awful as Megan Rapino. If there is a God, this is proof there isn't because you got an injury and had to come off the pitch in your last game. My God, I pray for her soul. I, I, I truly do. That, that, that person's just a flat-out, stone-cold loser. On to the news, brought to you by Fry Orthodontics. Dr. Jeremy and his team have 14 locations in and around Kansas City, one right by my house, up by Olathe Northwest High School. Wonderful facility there. They've got all kinds of great people that would love to welcome you with open arms and big smiles of their own to help you with that big smile for life at fryorthodontics.com. Of course, this is great for teenagers. But it might be good for you. If you're an adult, you've got a crooked grill and you want to get it fixed, consider Invisalign. Nobody knows you're wearing them. It's not like braces. You can do Invisalign for the same price as braces. And it really is an exceptional way of treatment. Check it out at fryorthodontics.com. Your smile is just the start. The Finch Knife Company is online at finchknifeco.com. Did you know that they can laser etch your company's logo on a steel blade? When the knife opens up, it's your logo. You can use these as gifts for clients. You can get them for your employees. Or you can hand them out as Christmas presents to people, whatever it may be. Finchknifeco.com. Just contact them. Go to the website. Check them out. Send them an email or give them a call and see what they can do for you. No order too big or too small. Finchknifeco.com. The best pocket knives anywhere. Every single knife is designed right here in Kansas City. 
in Stanley, Kansas. It's the Finch Knife Company online at finchknifeco.com. And Dr. Kip Van Camp over at Ideal Health is helping many of you. I, I continue to get emails from those of you that have some sort of chronic pain, whether it's joint pain, gut pain, even gut pain, or you haven't felt right since getting the COVID shots. He's treating a lot of people like that. They have a lot of patients that are just at the onset of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. And this is where it started when he started treating his dad with a lot of the tissue therapy and blood spinning. When you do that, you let your body work for you and work against the sped up process of these diseases creeping in. The diseases that can take years, you can postpone those and buy yourself more time. It is not for everyone, but he's got about an 80% success rate. If you want to get a consultation on whatever's ailing you and find out if this might work for you, nothing matters more than your health. Idealhealthkc.com. 913-745-5300. It's Dr. Kip Van Camp. They're located in Shawnee, near K7 and Shawnee Mission Parkway. You can find all of our sponsors at thekklist.com. You know the site. It is thekklist.com. Thekklist.com. Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, has pulled out of the presidential election race. He says, voters have spoken loud and clear. And they're telling him, quote, not now, Tim, unquote. That is a nod to Donald Trump. Tim Scott is getting out because of Donald Trump. That is saying, I'll be your running mate. I'd love to be your running mate, Mr. Trump. And he's right. They're telling all of these candidates, not now. And I think what the Ronna McDaniels and the Rhinos in our party are dying for is for this to get down to two where it's a binary choice. There's two people here and see which one of them does better in the early primaries against Trump and then maybe get to a point where it's that person and Trump only. Remember, there's still a big apparatus in this party working against Trump. And we think we can win elections doing that? It's insane. The Democrats are lined up behind a crappy candidate, but they're pretty much lined up behind him. Tim Scott is reading the, the, the voters' wishes. They want Donald Trump again. Republican primary voters want Donald Trump, period. DeSantis should not have run. It would have been fine if like Vivek and, and uh, Nikki Haley and Chris Christie, if some of those people wanted to run, that'd be just fine. I don't think Vivek Ramaswamy is going to pull out before there's some votes. I think, <laughs> I think at this point you get to January and see how people actually vote. But Vivek is the next one that to watch for that would pull out and say, I'll be your guy, Trump. I'll be your VP. Let's go do that. Tim Scott is out. I am not surprised. I think that's a, a reasonable move. I mean, that's probably good for his future, too. Jason Chaffetz, the former congressman, has written the smartest piece I've seen, and it's new information that I didn't know or I'd forgotten, and I love reading new things. I probably saw this happen a couple of years ago and didn't really realize at the time what it was. Jason Chaffetz says Joe Biden and the Democrats' secret weapon is an executive order that Biden gave in March of 21. It is a nonpartisan get-out-the-vote executive order. Again, nonpartisan means Democrat. Nonpartisan means benefits, benefits Democrats. In March of 2021, according to Chaffetz, and this is the secret sauce, this is why they won the other night, this is why they won in 22, and Chaffetz says until we change this, this is why they're going to win in 24. They have weaponized your tax dollars for the Democrats to win. 
Chaffetz writes that Biden's executive order in March of 2021 mandated every federal agency's agency to submit a plan to no matter what their agency is, like Department of Education, Health and Human Services, military, any agency you can think of, CIA, IRS, FBI, every single federal agency was executive ordered to submit plans to leverage their existing personnel and assets to use internal data to identify non-registered voters that are somehow receiving aid from their department. They would then target these non-registered voters based on race, black, Hispanic, Native American, whether they are civil rights advocates or work in the civil rights industry, whether they have a disability in some form or are a disability advocate, and then they are ordered by this executive order to register those people and find local help to make sure they vote when it's time for them to vote by mailing ballots to their home, getting them to their home, making sure they get dropped off, whatever it may be. Biden has weaponized the federal government, not to target everyone to get out the vote. This is so biased and racial and un-American and illegal, I can't stand it. If you're black, if you're Hispanic, if you're Native American, if you're into civil rights or you have a disability and you're not registered, we're going to weaponize the government, American tax dollars, everybody's tax dollars, to use personnel and data to learn more about you, get you registered, and make sure that you vote. Can you imagine if Trump won and immediately wrote an executive order for every single agency in the federal government to mobilize to register non-registered Christians, white people, and non-college educated white people. Can you imagine the crap storm that would exist if that happened? That's all this is, is racism. And they've done it. When we ask the big question, how do they keep winning? This is a huge part of it. Can you imagine how massive the federal government is and how many people they've reached since March of 2021 to register 90% Democrats, 80, 90% Democrats. They're probably catching a few Republicans in there, but not very many. They know it's gaining them votes. And if they can target these people and get them to vote, this is using your tax dollars, the federal government, through executive order to win elections. There's nothing less a part of democracy than that. And you can't stop this in 24. There's nothing we can do to stop that. It is a dire picture, Jason Chavitz-Rice writes. He basically is writing, they've won. They came in and did what we could have done, but would have been called racist. They do it, but they're not called racist because the people they're targeting. It's the saddest, saddest thing ever. A, a high school kid in, in Vegas, a white kid was pummeled two weeks ago by 15 black students outside the high school. He died this weekend. No reporting on that story. 15 black boys beat up a white boy. My, all of them minors don't even see the story. If we don't embrace all types of racism and bias in this country, we are doomed to fail. Completely and totally doomed to fail. All right, our final final is going to make you laugh. It's going to put a smile on your face. It's a good one, boys ah, and girls. It's brought to you by Advantage Termite and Pest Control, now scheduling lawn maintenance service for 2024. If you'd like to switch your lawn maintenance service to a great conservative com company, 
locally owned and operated. A wonderful family has been in our community for decades now. Consider Advantage Termite Pest Control and Lawn Service. 913-768-8989. They can also blow out your sprinklers. November is a good month to blow out your sprinklers if you have a sprinkler system. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. AdvantageTPC.com. 913-768-8989. North Kansas City Dental is online at nkcdental.com. They're doing such a great job with me. I had my regular checkup a few weeks ago. I'm going back in December to get a couple of, uh, I've got old metal fillings that were put in when I was a teenager or whatever. And he's working the process with my insurance of taking a couple of those out every year. And I still have some insurance money left this year. They said, well, come on in here. Let's get one more of those out of there. And it won't cost you anything. I'm like, great. They really work with you and your insurance to put you on a plan. Like he wants to redo this stuff, but he doesn't, we don't do it all at once because then I'd have to pay for it. They're really smart at North Kansas City Dental to work with you and help you out. NKCDental.com. And Ron Buck and his team over at Buck Disposal. Yeah, he's got the best roofing company in the Midwest. He's also got the best customer service of any disposal company. This isn't the trash at the end of your driveway. This is if you have a major project, like Tim Cross over at Cross Kitchens. He remodels a house. They start ripping stuff out, ripping walls out, whatever, countertops. They need a dumpster in the yard to fill it up so all your stuff goes at once. Buck Disposal is perfect for that. Ron knows what everyone who needs a, a, a disposal, a big container, he knows what you need. You need customer service, not some out-of-town corporation. BuckDisposal.com. He bought 100 containers. He's going big. Here we go. 913-242-7695. BuckDisposal.com. Our final final is the Houston Texans win which was remarkable. C.J. Stroud, 800 yards. We went over this earlier. A man in Florida went to the Hard Rock. I'm I'm unclear whether he did this online or at the casino. The online betting in Florida just came back on on Tuesday. So they just started in Florida. It had been closed for two years for an investigation of some sort. And I'm unsure whether or not during that period of time, if you could have gone to the Hard Rock Casino in Fort Lauderdale and placed a sports bet. You may have been able to do that, but I don't know that that's the case. seems to me like sports betting has been down for a couple of years in Florida, and it just opened back up on Tuesday. A man at the Hard Rock Casino in Fort Lauderdale wagered $500,000. He apparently is a big Texans fan. He bet on the Texans, who were an underdog, to beat the Bengals, win outright, not spread, for the total to go over 44 and a half, and for Devin Singletary to rush for a touchdown and rush for over 51 and a half yards. And when the Texans kicked the field goal at the buzzer to win, this man pocketed $5.5 million. Woo! Okay. I don't know who's got $500,000 to bet on a four-team parlay on the team that you love. That your quarterback's going to kick ass this week. You're going to pull off an upset on the road, and your running back is going to rush for a touchdown and 52 yards or more. But this man pulled it off, and he pockets $5.5 million. Now, the negative rub to any of this is taxes, obviously. Good thing it's in Florida. That helps. But he's still going to $5.5 million I think he'll do well to cash out for three. So you're paying, you're basically spending 500,000 after tax dollars to win 3 million, to clear 3 million. Well, that's great. But it won't be clearing 3 million because 500 of the 5.5 is yours. 
He's going to clear probably 2.75 million, 2.7 million. That's still a heck of a hit. That is a heck of a hit. But man, can you imagine $500,000 on a four-team parlay? I just, for five bucks earlier this year, hit my first three-team parlay. I, I never hit three-team parlays. I've hit a couple of two-team parlays before. It's really hard to hit a three-teamer. This dude hit a four-teamer, and the Hard Rock Casino is out of $5.5 million, and that is one great way to start the week. we got a lot more coming up this week. There'll be a lot of big news stories and politics and things going on. We look forward to that. We'll have Stan Weber on later this week, previewing KUK State and the Chiefs-Eagles. We'll talk about it all, but those two big games coming up. Thought it'd be better to have him on later in the week to preview those games because the Chiefs didn't play this weekend. So Stan will join us later in the week right here at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 